Hello, I'm Heather Fay, and this is my morning monologue, One Woman's Health Journey. Happy Monday. It is the end of spring break. The kids are back in school. I went ahead and did my exercise this morning because it looks like it's going to rain later, and I'm ready to dive right in. So I thought in keeping with the theme of health and the health journey that I would bring you some varying content. And so we'll talk about the interesting thing first, and then we will talk about the update afterwards because that's kind of the repetitive part. So this week we are going to talk about a documentary called Super Size Me. If you have never heard of it or haven't watched it, you may want to before you listen to this episode so you can see what it is I'm commenting upon or not. You can just listen to my comments. I think it's a pretty well-known documentary in the sort of dietary health world, so you might have heard of it. I will include a link in the show notes. I watched it on Amazon Prime, so that's where it will link to, but there may be other platforms where it is available. It was created by a documentary filmmaker called Morgan Spurlock. Okay, so in the sort of intro he gives a bit of information. Americans are the biggest people in the world. Now, this documentary was made or it was released in 2004. I believe it was made in 2003. As of 2016 data, actually, we're only the 12th biggest nation in the world. I guess maybe not something to brag about. Let's move on. He talks about his life growing up that he never ate out with his family except on special occasions I kind of took issue because like, okay, obviously this documentary, if you're not familiar with the premise, it's an attack on McDonald's fast food, but specifically McDonald's because the guy eats 30 days in a row, only McDonald's. He doesn't eat anything else. So it was an experiment to see what that would do to his health. So my first issue is I don't need somebody to do a 30-day documentary eating every day at McDonald's for me to understand that that's a bad choice. I I feel like we all understand as a nation, hey, McDonald's is not healthy food. We don't go there for healthy food. So I was kind of like, I don't know why you needed to do this for 30 days, bud, to prove something that we all already, I'm pretty sure, are aware of. Anyhow, going right along here. Uh, apparently these two teenagers who were very overweight brought a lawsuit against McDonald's, uh, blaming McDonald's for their overweightness. And the McDonald's lawyer's argument was, well, it's kind of common knowledge that McDonald's is not good for you. So we're not going to pay. I'm, I hate to agree with McDonald's lawyers, but I mean... Owing to my earlier comment and how I went into this documentary with already the understanding that McDonald's is bad for you, I kind of have to agree with them on their point there. At the end of the documentary, he does mention this case was dismissed by the judge, and I have to say I agree. Uh, I agree with that assessment by the judge. I don't, you know, I. Anyways, I won't get into that. You may not agree, but you also feel free to. The documentary doesn't talk about it that much. You might have to go research that one. If you're interested in that. All right. So he does. So then he tells you the project. I'm going to eat every day at McDonald's for 30 days and nothing but McDonald's. 
And just spoiler alert, if you're going to watch this thing, I don't know if he's putting it on for dramatic purposes, but he is a loud, lip-smacking, juicy eater. And it was, that doesn't usually bother me, but it really started to annoy me after a while in this documentary. Anyway, before he embarks on this unhealth quest, he sees several doctors, he sees his general practitioner, he sees his... uh, a dietitian, and he sees another kind of doctor. I didn't write it down, but he sees a third doctor as well. And he starts out, he's like a perfectly healthy specimen. They're all very happy with all of his health uh, measurements, his blood tests, his weight, his everything. Again, spoiler alert, really could have done without the visual of his rectal examination. I don't I just don't know who's like, I know I'm going to make a documentary about myself eating really unhealthy food for 30 days. I know at the beginning, let's make sure we put the visual of the doctor sticking his finger up my butthole. Let's do that. That sounds great. I wasn't really into it. Okay, I'll leave it alone now. Let's move on. Uh, And it should be noted, he is not overweight at the beginning of this. He's a, a good weight for his height and age. So he has his final vegan dinner. His girlfriend's a vegan chef. So he has his final vegan dinner straight up. I was like, is this this guy's motive for the documentary? Like, is he just so tired of vegan cooking? Like, he so doesn't want to be a vegan that he's like, oh my god, I've got a great idea. I'll eat at McDonald's for 30 days straight, and I'll make it a documentary so my girlfriend can't argue with me. I don't know. That remains to be proven. So then he this this expert comes up, this guy named John F. Banzaf, um, and he points out that most of the medical articles – I did not write down what kind of expert this guy is. I think he's a doctor of some kind, but don't quote me on that. But he's saying most of the medical articles and books, et cetera, are blaming fast food for the sudden obesity epidemic. And I kind of took issue with that comment simply because – I have read a lot of medical articles and books, and when I say medical articles, I I guess I don't mean in medical journals, maybe that's what he's talking about, but all of the sort of the blogs and the books and all of the things that are put into layman's terms for people. I've watched the documentaries, and um, the American diet in general, the typical American diet seems to be what is mostly under attack. I don't see anybody singling out fast food necessarily. So I don't know that I agree with his statement. But again, I'm doing all of this research and reading and stuff. Everything I've read and studied has been since the year 2016. That's which was when I started to really get an interest in all of this. So maybe that was true of 2004 literature. He then kind of goes on a roll showing all of the sizes of drinks available at various different fast food places. And I think we know how large the drinks can be. I personally, if I do eat fast food, which I haven't in a while because I'm doing this health journey, I always ask for just I just say, give me the smallest cup you have if I'm going to get a soda. Typically, I just get water because I know, you know, I don't want to drink too much soda. But he uses some pretty fancy camera tricks to make these drinks look even bigger than they actually are. Like... If you've ever seen some of these pictures that go viral sometimes where it's like there's a dog running right at the camera, but there's a person standing in the background, right? And you snap the picture, but the trick of the angle makes it look like 
the most giant dog on earth is towering above this teeny tiny human, like those sort of trick camera tricks. He uses that to make these drinks look like they're half the size of a skyscraper or something. So I kind of took issue with that. I was like, shouldn't you be unbiased? There's an obvious bias going into the documentary, I think. And in my opinion, if you're you're doing a documentary, isn't that journalism and shouldn't it be unbiased? I don't know. Or is am I wrong? Is it just entertainment? We, there are arguments for that. So then we have an interview, an interview with an overweight teenage girl. Uh, she's lamenting about seeing images of models and skinny people. It makes her feel bad. Now, as a woman who is overweight, which I am, I I can I can relate to that. I I can relate to that feeling, sure, but just and not that she was doing this or not that the documentary was doing this, but I it kind of made me think because with this whole body image issue that's coming up, which I don't disagree with necessarily. I I don't think you should hate yourself if you're not skinny. Like don't do that. You know, be try to be comfortable with yourself. But again, as I've said before, if you're not comfortable with the way you look. It's absolutely your right to change it, and perhaps culture and society does influence that. I don't really know what to do about that problem, but I don't think that the answer is shaming skinny people or telling them they have your skin thin privilege. Like, just stop it, okay? The, the, the people look how they look. People's bodies are different, reacts differently to food, and we just it. While we can encourage people to try to be more comfortable in their own skin, and I'm I'm cool with that, that's a great idea, to try to put other people down in the process does not seem empowering or positive in any way to me. So there's my bit on that. Moving right along. Let's see. They do have Jared the Subway pedophile featured in this documentary. I think that was before – they found out. I know it must have been before he got convicted because they would definitely have mentioned that in the documentary just to really drive home the point how bad fast food so bad it makes pedophiles. I'm just kidding. That's that's a joke. Okay. They do an interview with the Baskin Robbins heir. If you don't know what that is, ice cream. I love me a Baskin Robbins cone. Not gonna lie. Uh. I kind of agree with what he had to say, actually. You know, this guy, uh, he he gave up that. He did not take on. He said, no, I'm I'm renouncing the Baskin Robbins. I'm not going to inherit this because he recognized how unhealthy ice cream is, which I and I, I appreciate that on his part. Like if that's his moral backbone and he doesn't want to go against that, I, I really admire that. But. And I guess he pointed like his dad maybe tried to make him convinced that ice cream wasn't bad for you or something. I don't know. But it again, it's one of those things that we all know. We all know ice cream is not good for us. We understand that. So, you know, we're not Baskin Robbins. I've never seen them be like, we're a health food store. I've never seen that. Same with McDonald's. Never seen these places advertise themselves as some kind of health food option. So, it, you know. Yeah. Okay. I think I've beat that point to death. Let's continue. Okay. Now here's a point where I kind of made my eyebrows raise about this documentary and the intentions here. He's seeing his dietitian. I forget. He's on day something or other of this unhealth journey, as I'll call it. 
And she points out to him he's eating close to 5,000 calories every day at McDonald's. And I went, okay, well, hold on a minute. Because I'm fairly certain, and I guess I don't know if studies have been done to this regard, but I feel like you could eat 5,000 calories of anything every day and it would be bad. Like, I don't know that, like, you don't need 5,000 calories. That's way in excess of how many calories a body needs to be healthy, I think. So I felt like um, I could have gone online and looked at the McDonald's menu and found out how many calories it was for just three value meals in a day. And I doubt it would be anywhere near 5,000 calories. But I didn't do that because next week I'm actually going to uh, make notes and, and comments on it. another documentary called Fathead that is sort of the response documentary to supersize me. So he gets into that pretty deeply in that documentary. So I'm not going to bring it up here other than to say 5,000 calories is is a very excessive daily diet. And I even if somebody does go eat three, three value meals at McDonald's on a daily basis, it's not going to total up to 5,000 calories. I, I don't think it comes that close. All right. So now he's interviewing people who, uh, who love to eat at McDonald's and who eat there frequently. And I will point out the people that he's talking to in this segment. One woman, I think, was maybe a slight bit chubby. The rest of the people, not overweight. So I guess some people, you know, some people can't eat there every day. Actually, a little bit later on in the documentary, we meet a guy named Dan Gorski, the Big Mac enthusiast, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I did want to point that out. And he does several times, he brings up the argument from the McDonald's lawyers that it's common knowledge. They're saying it's common knowledge McDonald's is bad for you, you know, and this is our argument against lawsuits. And again, I I agree with the McDonald's. I mean, I can't argue with that statement. I think we all know <laughs> You could go out. I could go out on the street right now and just the first hundred people that I see ask them, do you think McDonald's is good for you? I would be surprised if I got even one yes in answer to that question. Okay, so now we're at about the 40 minute mark of the documentary and he has gained weight. He's thrown up his food one time and he claims to be experiencing chest pressure. He mentions that he'll eat and then a just a little while later, he'll he'll feel hungry again. And that does actually mirror my personal experience with eating fast food. I, I'm usually hungry within an hour, two hours tops after a fast food meal, like ravenously so. And as I understand it now, that is because of the nature of, of the wheat, the gluten, right, which is in like the buns and probably in other ingredients as well. But it's an appetite stimulant. It makes you want to eat more and it burns up real fast. So it's like... You're very hungry soon after. That, by the way, he doesn't say anything about that in the documentary. That's my comment. And right about this time, he's also mentioning that he's now getting bored with the McDonald's menu. So it's nine days. We're nine days in right now. So he's bored with the McDonald's menu. And I can speak to that. There have been times when I've gone to McDonald's on a daily basis. I used to have a job where um, I traveled for work and I'd get, be given a budget for hotels and for food and for convenience sake and sometimes I'd get I'd book a hotel room that didn't have like a kitchen suite so I'd I'd have to eat out and after just three or four days going to McDonald's I was done with McDonald's I was like nope don't want to eat there anymore 
and I would seek out something like a salad, like a Panera Bread salad or something, you know, start or, or I'd go to like an Applebee's for something a little healthier. Okay, now we get to Don Gorski, the Big Mac enthusiast. This guy eats two to three Big Macs every single day and has been doing it for quite so, like years and years. Uh, I will point out the man is not overweight, not an overweight man. At least he doesn't look overweight. And but although in fairness, some people gain weight much more easily than others. And, you know, that's down to probably genetics. I don't really know what the real answer is behind that. But some people just don't really tend to gain weight. And some people do. Dan Gorski eating Big Macs, not gaining any weight. And by the way, because this was so this was in 2004, this documentary came out. I got curious and I I Googled uh, Dan Gorski. Still alive, still kicking, still eating Big Macs. I don't know about the state of his health other than that, but he's not dead. So, I mean, you know, there's that. They talk a bit about the advertising and the marketing of the food industry to market their junk food and their their marketing and directing this marketing toward children, uh, which here's a – I don't know if this is a gray area or what. I don't like that. I wish that that children would not be advertised to on junk food. Um, but again, it's like if you're gonna if you're going to ban advertising in a free market society, wh what kind of precedent are we setting there? Um, and is that are they really more powerful than a parent saying no? Because I'll give you a great example. Uh, I took my kids to Taco Bell over the weekend, and my one daughter wanted a Slurpee, and I said no. No Slurpee for you. And she begged and pleaded, and I said no, and she did not get a Slurpee. I don't think they call it a Slurpee there, but anyways, I was like, we can get some tacos. That's what we're going to get. So note, I did not have any tacos myself, but they wanted a treat, so I let them get the Taco Bell. I just said no. That's pretty much how that went. Okay, another little thing I took issue with in the documentaries. Next up, he holds up this packet of ketchup with the McDonald's logo on it because uh, McDonald's has its logo put on its ketchup packets. I don't really see anything wrong with that in particular, but he holds up this ketchup packet and he's reading the ingredients. High fructose corn syrup and sugar. Again, we all know ketchup has sugar in it, dude. And he's holding this up like it's like McDonald's only ketchup. Like they're the only ones that put sugar in their ketchup. It's in every ketchup. In, in America. We know it's loaded with sugar. We already knew that. Thank you so much. Okay, now we're back to Banzaf, uh, one of the experts interviewed. And, and he says, uh, you can't argue that people need to take personal responsibility. But then when you follow that up and you don't give them the proper information, that's problematic. And I do completely see his point here. I do completely see his point because we have this problem in America where the government has given dietary recommendations that are not that great for people, namely, hey, eat six to 11 servings a day of bread and pasta, right? Like that's just not good dietary advice. But because it's coming from the government, a lot of people might think, well, that I am being healthy. Here I am. I'm eating my pasta and my bread six to 11 times a day. And so I do, I see his point there. I do see his point there. Okay, now we get into a part of the documentary that I actually solidly do very much agree with, and that is school menus. 
the public school menus in the U.S. are abysmally unhealthy. They really don't have much of anything healthy on their menus. Um, And here, now this is a little different. This is the food industry getting itself into the schools. Here is something I feel like we, because it's like you can, if the only food you have as an option is just unhealthy crap, well, you've got to eat. You can't starve. So then you're going to eat it. And we're feeding our kids crap while they're at school. Here is something that I feel should be vastly improved. And I don't want to be a heretic here or anything, but we might just want to move away from the school serving lunches and go back to bringing our own lunches and then parents can have complete control over what their kids eat. That does bring up the issue then of what about low income families? Because some of them really depend on those school lunches, right? So that's the, that's something that would, you know, this is something we do need to work out. We need to find a solution to this problem. The problem is when we want the government to solve a problem, I don't know if anybody else has ever noticed this, tends to not get resolved. You know, I, I, I is that, are people going to get mad at me for saying that the government's not that great at solving problems? I don't know. That's the, that's the. There might be people who take issue with that. And if you're one of those people, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Let's move on. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So he's sitting there. Uh, the documentary maker, uh, Morgan Spurlock, is interviewing a lunch lady. And, man, is he putting the pressure on this woman about the unhealthy diet of the school. And I'm like, I understand your point, dude. The lunch lady is not the person to put on the spot if you want change. Like, what is she supposed to do about it? Oh, excuse my swearing. But what is she supposed to do about it? What is she supposed to do about it? Why are you putting, breathing the heat of God down this lunch lady's back? I thought that was kind of, dude, he then did talk to the person over the diet and the menu of the school, which was a little bit better. But like, man, he really took that lunch lady to town. Okay, we move on a little bit, and now we're interviewing the girlfriend about their sex life, which I did not feel like I particularly wanted to hear about. And I'm not going to talk about that part, but apparently not as great as before. Okay, then he goes back to his dietician, and she's pointing out to him that he's he's well under his daily vitamins that he needs for his health and well over his daily carb limit. And that's saying something when you consider that the doctors – well. I don't know if this dietitian operates off of the food pyramid or my plate, as it's now called. Back then, it was the food pyramid. But if she's operating off of that, 6 to 11 servings, and he's getting even more than that, like, that's definitely problematic. You know, and she's pointing out that the carbs are coming from the buns and the biscuits and the milkshakes and the soda, right? Now, I do want to point out even a three-year-old child knows that milkshakes and soda uh, are, are bad, for you, right? So he's, it looks like he's just purposely eating as much of the blatantly unhealthy food off the menu as he can every day here. Then he goes back to his general practitioner. His blood pressure is high. His cholesterol has risen by like 50. He's gained even more weight. His doctor's telling him that he has a fatty liver now. And he, he's heard of people hurting their liver this way with alcohol, but never with a fatty diet. And I wanted to point this out because they, his, his, Doctors are, they point up, oh, you're fat, your your fat content in your diet, your saturated fat. They're really heavy on blaming the fat. I find it interesting that they completely ignore, ignore the extreme amount of sugar that is also part of this diet. They don't say anything about that. They target the fat. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast up to now, um, 
I've I've kind of changed my mind about fat in the diet. I've read several books on this now, and I'm reading another one, which we'll discuss in a future episode. But I was like, okay, so they're really targeting fat as the evil and and it might that might not be the problem. It might be the sugar and the carbs that are the real problem in that diet that he's eating, which again is well in excess of of a diet that you would eat if you ate every day at McDonald's as a normal person. Okay, so now he's dramatically on the phone with his girlfriend and all of his doctors that are telling him to stop this insanity of a diet. And it's, it's very dramatic. Um, you know, and again, it's just interesting to me, they're attacking the fat content rather than the sugar content of the diet. Okay, now we're talking about the this, uh, now we're on a segment of the influence of the food industry on the government. And here's a, this again, this is a part of this documentary I really do agree with. We have a problem in this country that big industry is allowed to lobby the government to get laws passed that make us required to have to consume their products, right? And we have food. Now, this isn't necessarily something like there's they're not passing laws like you have to eat potatoes every day, evil potato farmers. Like, that's not what I mean, right? But they're influencing the government to make food recommendations and the government saying this is a healthy diet and they're doing it because of food interests giving them money, right? That's That can't be. I don't think big industry should be allowed to lobby the government. I don't. I think we need to change that. Anyway. Okay, so now we're at the end of the documentary. He's gained close to 25 pounds. His liver has turned into fat. Uh he then makes glosses over this comment. Oh, well, there were actually some uh, improvements as well, but that's not important. I'd be interested to know what improved after 30 days straight of eating 5,000 calories a day at McDonald's. That's That'd be interesting to find out. And anyways, I've said this earlier, but in conclusion, apparently this guy hates being a vegan so much that he decided to do a documentary so that he could eat fast food for 30 days and not have to eat vegan food. That's about as much as I can take away from this documentary. He did bring up some good points, as I mentioned. All in all, two and a half stars out of five for me for this one. It was informative in some ways, but it was also started out with a preconceived notion. And you could tell he really wanted this to make him fat and unhealthy so he could prove his point about how unhealthy fast food is. A point that I maintain did not need to be proven because we all already knew it. Okay, so that's supersize me. Let's talk about let's talk about me for a second. Here's my update. I had two days in the last week where I had a little bit of sugar and a little bit of carb, unhealthy junk food. I was otherwise really solid on the high fat, low carb diet. That's the diet I've chosen to do. And I went up in weight. I'm 215. I weighed in, I believe it was 213.8 last week. So I'm up a 1.2 pounds. That can happen on a keto diet, especially if you go have some carbs. So I'm not going to sweat it. I'm not going to go on a binge now and gain back the 10 pounds I lost. That's not my plan. I'm back on track today. Um, and I'm going to get going so that I can come in with a lower weight check-in next week. And also next week, the documentary Fathead, which is a response to the Super Size Me documentary. So hopefully you guys will all join me next week for that. In the meantime, I hope your health journey is going well. I hope your next week of health journeying goes well. 
And I hope you're looking at some of these things I'm sharing in the show notes to help you um, improve your education on health as well. That's a big reason why I'm I wanted to start doing this. So that is that's all I got for today. And I will talk to you next week.